everyone, and welcome to episode number six of the Who Am I podcast with the Southside Church of Christ. This is Brian Dill. I'm Jackson Wells. And we are excited that you have joined us for another episode of Who Am I? Maintaining Our Christian Identity Amid the Shifting Sands of Culture. We are very excited today to have a guest with us. Jackson, will you introduce our guest for us? Gladly. This is somebody who's uh, been a mentor of mine. I have lunch with him pretty regularly, and he's always something that I'm able to ask questions about in regards to ministry. He's spoken here at Southside at least a couple times. He's spoken at camp for me a couple times as well. You know him as Gary, well, excuse me, Dr. Gary Hill. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we're we're really glad to have Gary joining us uh, today, and and specifically because of the topic that we have. I think he's got a lot of insight uh, in regards to what we're talking about. So uh, thank you for joining us, Gary. Thank you. Glad to be here, fellas. All right. All right. We're going to do a little bit of an interview of sorts with you to get things started. Yeah. We have not told Gary what we're going to ask him, so I hope he's ready for that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, these, are, these are just, you know, be as lighthearted or as serious as you want to be. My first question for you is, what made you decide to get into ministry? I, uh, my granddaddy was an elder and my small home congregation and I used to go around with him and uh, do uh, church things and I've always enjoyed Sunday school and Bible study and uh, my favorite subject in elementary school was social studies and to me all the Bible stories were fascinating and I uh, wanted to do it for the rest of my life. I love it. It's been a a lifelong affliction. Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) When did you, when did you what was the first year you did ministry? First year I did ministry was 1978. I graduated from Fried Hardeman College back then, and uh, wow. my first work was here in Kentucky at uh, Belton Horton Chapel Church of Christ. And uh, I uh, back there again at uh, later yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, I forgot, uh, I forgot to mention, if you didn't know, Gary was uh, the the preacher of the church I grew up at during my college years. So it's kind of cool. I, I've known Gary for a lot longer than that, but yeah. <laughs> Long time. <laughs> it's cool that you, you started there and now you're there again. I'm there, I'm there again. And uh, been, so 1978 to 2023, right? right. Been right. Yeah. So the ministry, uh, for, yes. almost 45 years? Yes, sir. It's, almost 45 uh, years, right. Yeah. And, that's uh, easy for me to remember because uh, that's uh, a... Yeah. Uh, one year longer than I've been alive. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, good, good. It's good to be with such young people right. today. Yeah, young Makes scholars. Makes you feel real good. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> All right, so Gary, my first question is, you've been in ministry for a good amount of time. You've, I'm sure you've had all kinds of experiences. You probably have all kinds of stories you can tell. I want to know, what is one of the weirdest ministry experiences you've ever had? Ah, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I've had quite a few over the years. I'm sure. <laughs> um, uh, probably one of, one of them is uh, uh, on a mission field. Uh, I got to go and work in Africa from 2008 to 2014. Uh, we were driving through a village one day and a little girl ran in front of the little car we were at and we slammed on the brakes and, and the village just poured out and surrounded and we 
pointing and yelling and speaking oh, no. at us and we were going oh no this may be our last day on <laughs> on the planet and right. uh it was a it was a little scary but uh <laughs> probably one of the funniest times uh i had was uh bringing young people uh, to Nicaragua and uh, getting to see them experience the village and the mission work and that kind of thing. And most fun than anything, digging, archaeology. I got into archaeology (laughs) early on and just fascinating to to dig and find things. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, as somebody who you, you said in elementary school, you enjoyed social studies. It's yeah. it, it's obvious that you, you've enjoyed history, and you you sort yeah. of answered some of our other questions a little bit. But a little bit. My, my next question for you is: you, you mentioned that you were in, in on a mission field in Africa, and you spent quite a bit of time there mm-hmm. while you were in Africa. What was the what's the thing that stands out to you the most? What's the memory or, or thought or something that stands out to you the most? After after a year or so there, I started thinking this is the way it must have been in the book, like in the book of Acts. Uh, we would go to these little villages, and it was uh, the, the small and, and and not not exactly twenty first century stuff. Uh, people lived in thatched huts, and and but they were some of the sweetest. Uh, kindest people and when you would present the gospel to them they had a childlike eagerness mm. to uh, mm-hmm. to uh, uh, learn more about Jesus right. and and for some reason I don't know what what caused it maybe I was teaching the book of Acts in the little Bible college I was at but it was like this is this is the way the early church was and and, and to me, that inspired yeah. me. I, sure. Yeah. I don't know that I've met a missionary who is just sad. You know, yeah. like like yeah. all of the missionaries that I've interacted with have generally been positive and mm-hmm. just, you know. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that people are people are looking for something. And yes. you, you, you feel like you're achieving a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, you're like you're yeah. working with God and, and you're like the... People who were sent out from Jerusalem to go into all the world, yeah, and, right, yeah. and absolutely, felt like you're a part of that story, and, I, and way we are, aren't we? Yeah. Right, as right. we continue. I know a lot of folks here at Southside can can relate to what you're talking about, as because, at least from those who are have been in our Wednesday night class, because we've been studying the Book of Acts for uh, yeah. 13 months. We just finished it, and uh, it's been a really good study, and it's been really fascinating to, mm-hmm. to dig deeper into that book. So my question, uh, following up on your experiences in Africa, mm-hmm. is most everybody at Southside knows that I'm a rather picky eater. Mm-hmm. And so I would have probably, I would expect, a difficult time in a place like Africa <laughs> on the mission field. I've been to other places, I've been in, in mostly Latin American places, and I can do okay yeah. and find things to eat. So my question, though, is what is the grossest thing you ever ate in Africa? <laughs> easy, easy answer. Oh. It's called Ugali. Right. It is this wet, gooey, it, it, it looks it looks like Elmer's glue paste <laughs> stuff that they eat 
almost more than anything and they cook it in these big big pots and it, it they make it into balls and they throw the ball on your plate and <laughs> and and then they'll sprinkle a, a piece of lettuce or two on it and expect you to eat it and it's right. the most bland horrible stuff I've okay ever <laughs> yeah <laughs> so there you got See, it. that's, that's not what it, it's called <laughs> that's not at all where my mind went i was thinking monkey brains we had some we used to call it in high school mystery meat right you know something yeah <laughs> sure we, we sure. had some meat we didn't we weren't really sure what it was but yeah, it was okay with right. the gravy and stuff on it, but this Ugali was just bleh. I, oh, man. I, I shudder to think about it, <laughs> even today. I can do that. Well, I can remember you'd come home and report, uh, uh-huh. and and you would talk about how much weight you'd lost while you were in Africa. Oh, I <laughs> was it because yeah. you weren't eating? Right, right. <laughs> or because he was eating something that uh, had no was, caloric yeah, value. Yeah, right. Yes. It doesn't taste like anything, and yeah. what's even in it? Right, <laughs> right. Oh, man. So you've spent time in Africa, you've spent time in Latin America, uh, you've been you've been all over the world. Recently this year, or I guess last year, you went to Jerusalem, mm-hmm. is that right? Went, went uh, back to Israel uh, with a, a group of uh, uh, Christians in Colorado Springs, and we were able to explore a lot of the sites that I'd explored years ago but what was really cool about this trip y'all is nobody was there it's not tourist season and they just opened up from covid and we were able to go to these sites and and of course we'd studied ahead of time and walk around and live like give you a quick example we were where elijah was on mount carmel oh wow i mean we were the only ones there and we opened the text and read the story together and it was a small group it was it was really moving and israel as y'all know as students of scripture is a small country very varied it's got mountains and seas and rivers and green areas and super desert areas it's got one of the lowest spots on the earth the dead sea it's just so varied and it was really a great experience. Yeah. It's a spirit. To me, it was the most spiritual trip I ever took to Israel. Okay. Yeah. So you've you've taken multiple trips over there. Yes, sir. Um, and that brings me to my final question. And you kind of alluded to this earlier, but archaeology is something mm-hmm. that you're interested in yes. uh, significantly, and that's. One of my earliest memories of you is you talking about archaeology and and also Indiana Jones. Um, <laughs> oh yes, because yes. like when I, whenever I think about the life of Gary, Doctor Gary Hill, I think of Doctor Jones as well, <laughs> yeah. and the the similarities there. But archaeology has obviously played a a big part in your life. How or why did you get interested in archaeology, okay. and how has that impacted your ministry? Well, I uh, grew up around schools. My mother was a school teacher, elementary school teacher. Social studies was my favorite subject. Uh, and I majored in Bible and then later on majored in history. And one of my history professors was an uh, American archaeologist. And he uh, got us interested in, in doing that. Then I met an amazing friend of mine, a college professor, Dr. Dale Manor 
work. And as a professor at Harding University, he invited me to dig with him. We even to this day, he, he tells us the date when we met. We met <laughs> at the Freed Artiman Lectureship 25 years ago now. Wow. And, and I got to start going to Israel with the team and dug eight years in Israel, eight seasons, full seasons. And it, uh, y'all, it, it makes, I love history anyway. I love going to Civil War sites and historical sites anywhere. Mm-hmm. But to be there where the stories of the Bible happened is, right. is to me, awe-inspiring. I mean, oh, I know yeah. maybe... Certain ones don't need that, but I mean, to me and my love for history and social studies, culture, it's just amazing. And so I've been very blessed to do that. Yeah, right. Well, and that, that kind of segues into what we're talking about today with with skepticism and how, you know, you, you just said some people don't need it. Some people don't need the support yeah. that archaeology gives to their faith, yeah. but sometimes it's a great resource to have. So, yeah. Right, yeah, uh, right. Thank yeah. you. Well, as, as we get into what we call the meat of the week, our question for, for this episode is, am I a skeptic? And, you know, sometimes it seems like in our culture, the idea of being a skeptic is encouraged. Hmm. Uh, you know, hey, you should question authority. You should doubt what you're being told and, and, and that sort of thing. And I think some of that we can trace back at least as far as the Enlightenment in Europe, which yes. was uh, which contained a, a heavy dose of skepticism, particularly uh, questions about the established institutions of the time and 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 the church even mm-hmm. included in that. You know, do we really trust what we've always been told? Was kind of what a, a part of that in the 18th century, but. Certain amounts of skepticism we would have a tendency, I think, to view negatively, uh, but we are encouraged in Scripture to not assume that what we're being told is accurate. Right. right? You know, the the Bereans are held up as a great example of someone who, when Paul taught them, Mm -hmm. they investigated the Scripture to make Mm -hmm. sure that what he was saying was accurate. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have a couple passages 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 21, and 1 John 4 and verse 1 are both places in the New Testament where we are told to test what we are taught. Yes. yes. Uh, to make sure that what we are taught is in line with what God has said. Because there are those who are going to, to teach false things, mm-hmm. right? Uh, trying to find the right balance there sometimes can be a little tricky, but uh, we want to... Make sure that we know that what we understand and what we believe is true. Yeah. I think there's a, we could talk about the age of information and all the access that we have to the knowledge of the world, which is awesome. Um, but even then, there's, there's, there's negatives to that because yeah, I think of conspiracy theories and things that are spread because people want you to believe a certain way. But that's sort of the reason we brought you here. People are becoming more and more skeptical of what the Bible says, it seems, as, as time goes on. And many times people claim that what the Bible says is historically inaccurate. And so there's this problem that people see with the Bible in, in that. And how can you trust something that isn't historically accurate? And that's where 
stuff like archaeology kind of mm-hmm. comes in. You've got some unique perspective on uh, history, scripture, and the archaeology that supports it. Mm-hmm. Like like we've talked about, he's Gary has spent time uh, in Jerusalem. And have you ever found anything? You said you spent eight seasons digging. Did you ever find anything um, that just like bolstered your faith? Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, Jackson, thank you for that question. Yes, uh, our dig site is a place called Bet Shemesh, Mm -hmm. and it's mentioned, first of all, in 1 Samuel chapter 6, and it was an Israelite city, and the uh, Philistine people had captured the ark, and they decided to send it back to Israel, and they sent it to Bet Shemesh. Also, a little later was the rise of the United Monarchy, King mm-hmm. Saul, David, and Solomon. Right. And a lot of skeptics have said, uh, very famous skeptics, written a lot of great books, and we've met some of them. The stories in the Bible concerning King David and the, the, the monarchy are not true. Mm-hmm. Bet Shemesh has shown us that... The Bible is true because during the time of Saul and David and later Solomon, the city, which was just a small village, uh, became organized, became uh, the, the walls were rebuilt. There was a huge giant cistern built. And as we were excavating through all of that, uh, those of us who are Bible believers would go back to the Bible, read the stories and say, hey, this is proof that there was a new government in town, a strong government that was, uh, uh, you know, making these improvements. And it did bolster our faith. And even some of the skeptics that have written famous books would come by and say, well, you know, this is a little troubling, <laughs> you know, based on right. my, my view that David was just like a Robin Hood living in the mountains with his band of merry men right. and didn't really <laughs> yeah. have a kingdom. Uh, so that, I think, is a, a – Bet Shemesh was a great uh, place to excavate to to bolster your faith but so many other places are too right well i think i think you may have said this to me before but the if there's something in the bible that has been in conflict with what society (laughs) thinks Mm -hmm. it's because we just haven't found the peace yet you Um, know i i thank you jackson for that because i was at a high school this week and talking about ancient bible foods and one of the things I told the students then, and I always tell people I lecture to, there are literally hundreds of sites like in Israel, buried cities that haven't even been touched yet. And right. just because we haven't found something yet doesn't mean that in the next 50, 100 years, and there's so many stories like, mm-hmm. old stories like, the Hittites didn't exist. That was a made-up. Right. Mm-hmm. And yes. then next thing you know, they find the capital city. And right. so, you know, just just wait. Yeah. <laughs> just wait. Right. And well, lack of evidence does not mean it didn't happen. Right, right. Sure. And because archaeology is such a fragmentary mm-hmm. science. Right. And, and even if even where we dig at Bet Shemesh or any of these other sites, you only dig about 10 to 15% of the whole site. Right. Wow. You don't dig right. the whole mountain down to the bottom i mean you know (laughs) we could right next to where we quit digging could be one of the most 
amazing <laughs> <Right>. finds that <laughs> yeah, a generation true. down the road will find and exactly. we'll go, oh, no, we should have found it. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, so, aren't, they, yeah. aren't they about to yeah. – Colossi is oh, about to start pretty soon, right? Yes, They're going to start working is. on uh-huh. – because right now uh-huh. the, the picture of – where Colossi, the the city stood, is just a hill. It's just a hill. That's exactly <laughs> so they, right. And uh, they're going to start digging on that soon. And uh, who knows how long that may take, or how many decades, right. or what they might find. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the yeah. and we're we're talking about archaeology a lot. And the the point of what we're talking about is skepticism. But yeah. everything that has been found, archaeologically mm-hmm. speaking. Mm-hmm hasn't opposed the Bible. Amen. Yes, And yes. so from a skeptic's perspective, somebody who doesn't think that the Bible is historically accurate, you're, you're, you're seeing all this evidence that isn't in opposition to mm-hmm. the Bible. And I, I personally find that, that encouraging and faith-bolstering. Yes, right. Right. yes. The support yeah. it provides. Yes. yes. It never. It has never taken away. Right, right. There's, there's never been something they can hold up and say, "Look, see, the Bible's a hundred percent wrong here." You know, there's different theories, and and of course, Brian mentioned the worldview of the Enlightenment. It just mm-hmm. sort of kind of right. we began to foster this. Let's be skeptical of everything. Yeah. Let's don't believe anything mm-hmm. until we find a hundred percent proof for it. Well, that's not. That's. <laughs> The one is not logical, oh, right? It's unrealistic. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and but number two, you're right, Jackson. It uh, uh, there's nothing ever been found that uh, would disprove Scripture. Next question for you: mm-hmm. Has there been anything recently discovered that that you've read about or, or heard about, or you would like to share with us? Okay, I would love to do that. We were so blessed in February of this last year to be in Israel, and we were, we went to Mount Ebal, and uh, Mount Ebal, if you read in Scripture, is the place where uh, Joshua led the children of Israel and uh, reestablished the covenant that's found in Joshua chapter 8. And uh, he built an altar to God on Mount Ebal, and this last February, uh, the group I was with got to visit the altar, visit Mount Ebal. And uh, a couple of years ago during, and this is an archaeological term, wet shifting. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we, we dig up the, the artifacts, but also then they go back and all the dirt that has been dug up, they, they put it through shifters because mm-hmm. sometimes there's small tiny artifacts that are significant that you miss unless you do that right there was this small tiny artifact that we almost missed and what it was y'all was a folded uh, folded tin piece of tin basically and it was a tablet a small tablet folded piece of tin that had hebrew writing on it and it had the curse part of that verse uh, <laughs> on it. And people just went, whoa, wow. I mean, this is, we, we, we know this verse. Because here, here's what the tablet said, y'all. When they translated it, it said, Cursed, 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 cursed by the God Yahweh. You will die cursed. Cursed you, you will surely die. Cursed by Yahweh. Cursed, cursed, cursed. Mm. Now, if, if <laughs> you want to have a cursed uh, tablet, that's it. Yeah, right? yeah. 
<laughs> there was a lot of curse there. And what made it so important, y'all, is this is exactly what Deuteronomy eleven twenty six right. says. And it's been peer-reviewed. Uh, there were scholars from the Czech Republic. There were uh, writing scholars. They deciphered the text. And what makes this important is this is the first attested use of the name of God, of the name of God, which is Yahweh, and the land of Israel. And also, number two, and this is answering what you were talking about, Jackson, some of the skeptics, it set the clock back on proven Israelite literacy by several centuries. People have said for years there's no way the book of Genesis and Exodus could have been written during Moses' time because they didn't write back then and there was no hebrew writing back then well this is dated from the time of joshua around 1400 bc and it's written in hebrew where they could translate it so it (laughs) shows the bible certainly could have been written during the time i mean here's joshua moses had probably few months before sit down his pen (laughs) and uh, and and here we have here we have this attestation to that john stone street uh, tells the reason of its importance and he's a famous scholar the common perception among biblical scholars has been that the bulk of the bible wasn't written when it says it was it has been long assumed that the early and supposedly primitive Israelites lacked the skill to come up with the written grandeur of books like Genesis and Deuteronomy. Hmm. But the tiny curse tablet, the tiny curse tablet, reveals that the right people at the right time in the right place were writing about God just like the Bible describes it. That's awesome. That is great. <laughs> it's just, and we were there, y'all. We right, were just right. walking. Nobody else was there. We were walking around Mount On Ebal, Mount, Mount Gerizim, shifting through yeah. the dirt, looking at all of this, mm. and wow. That's that's another, like, yeah. I think a lot of times the perspective that we have of the Bible is that it's this, just, it is distant because it was in Israel, Yeah, <laughs> but it, like, we, we almost think like it's a fairy tale land, like it's J.R.R. Tolkien's world that he wrote, and we yeah. never go there, <laughs> Right, but you can, and that's yes. what makes it awesome, mm-hmm. like, yeah. it, yeah, I, I I find that fascinating as well. So, well, in Joshua chapter eight, I've just been looking through what what all is said there regarding Joshua renewing the covenant with the people mm-hmm. of Israel and everything. Yeah. This is after he has taken charge because Moses is is gone. gone he's he's no longer leading the nation. And one of the things it says at the end of that chapter is there was not a word of all that Moses commanded. In other words, probably the book of Deuteronomy yeah. uh, that Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel. Yeah. So it's been written down. It's yes. there. And and here we have this archaeological evidence that yeah. this is the kinds of things that were written down. Written and, down, and right. Here's, During the know, time period when when he's speaking there, right, Joshua's speaking. Right. The the yeah. blessings and the curses. You yeah. know, you, yeah. you do right, you'll be blessed. You do wrong, you'll be cursed. You uh-huh. know, that's kind of the, yes. the way a lot of Deuteronomy went. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, the, I mean, we, we think about, sometimes we forget, like, 
Moses wrote down the Ten Commandments, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so, like, that's one of the most popular <laughs> Old Testament stories that we talk about when we're kids, and the impact that um, imagine if we found the Ten Commandments, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, like uh, I've joked with you before about finding the Ark of the Covenant. Um, <laughs> you're, you're getting my Indiana Jones yeah, motif. Yeah. Right. I mean, you, I'm, I'm getting excited here, y'all. Um, but, like, like, I just, I'm, maybe they, they were destroyed and we'll never see them again. Maybe the they, they melted down the Ark of the Covenant when they, they captured Israel or, or whatever, um, and, and we'll, we'll never see it. But, um Again, everything that has been found has just proven what the Bible says, and nothing that has been found has been in conflict with it. And so am I a skeptic? Sometimes there are things that I question and I don't fully understand. But, man, when I look for answers, all I get are good answers. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. You're you're exactly right. And it it is it's exciting it's an adventure being a christian a bible student it's it's uh, uh i love i love being around like you guys and, and archaeology people and bible bible people bible students it, it's just <laughs> it's exciting because it's you know the more we search the more we find and, right. and you were mentioning Brian at the early that you know the Bible does say that that we are to test the spirits, reason these things out. Right. Luke himself, an inspired man, said, "I've diligently uh, you know researched these things from right. their sources and listened to eyewitnesses." And yes. and and archaeology is just still doing that. Mm-hmm. And and Bible Bible language people and it just uh, it's exciting thing because. God wants us to test our faith. He wants us to, mm-hmm. to, to check it out. Faith is based upon evidence, isn't it? It is. Yes, it, it is. is. Yeah. And, and that's, what I, that's why I think this was such a, an important yeah. conversation for us to have, uh, an important episode for us to do because, you know, it's not about uh, if you are dealing with doubts or if you're, you're having trouble, you, you, you don't need to hide those and pretend yes. that it's not something uh, embrace that and and deal with them in a way that is healthy and mm-hmm. and, and rational. Dig deeper. Uh, yes. Look look closer at the evidence. Make sure that the the resources that you have are trustworthy. Uh, that sort of thing. Because I think that no matter what it is that you're dealing with, mm-hmm. ultimately you're going to find that the more you dig, the more you're going to find that the Bible is trustworthy yes, and sir. true. Amen. And and I love that about. Yeah what archaeology does for us. You know, mm-hmm. The more we dig, yeah. metaphorically and literally, yeah. yes. <laughs> the more we find yeah. that the Bible yeah. is true. Yeah. That's and, right. And I, and I love that. Yeah, I, I, I really dig it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, we're going to wrap this episode up. Jackson, do you have anything else that I, you want to I don't have anything share? else. I could sit here and talk to Gary for hours right. about this kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, you could have a whole podcast on. I'm sure there are many out there about archaeology. Oh, and I'm the, sure there are. The biblical support <laughs> and, and all that stuff. But uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us today, Gary. Thank you. I've enjoyed being with you guys. and appreciate you, y- y'all's work in, in you doing this 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 bro- podcast. It's a great thing. Thank well, you. We're, we are certainly enjoying it. We look forward to uh, future episodes. We encourage you to tune in, uh, follow us on whatever platform you're using. 
We hope that this has been great for you today and has been an encouragement to your week. And we look forward to seeing or hearing from you soon. And uh, tune in next time.